Good morning. Thank you so much for hopping online and joining us this morning for our Harvest at Home online virtual service. My name is Mia. I'm on staff here at Harvest, and it is an absolute honor and pleasure to get to be with you all in your homes this morning. Um, at, ho at my home, I have two boys and my handsome husband, Ted, my oldest son, Titus is almost eight years old and Asher just turned one. And Ted's age, we're going to leave out of this because he now has some really handsome gray hair in his beard. And I'm sure he would appreciate me not blasting his birthday all over the internet. Today, we're going to be looking at our last question in Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. It's the book we've been going over for the last four weeks. Next week, we are going to be starting our new series, which is Hearing God by Nathan Finocchio. If you have not gotten a hard copy of this, it probably won't come in time for next week. So just go online um, onto any of the places that you can just download. Download it. Get started on it. You're going to want to dig into this next series. But before you get into that series, we're going to finish up the series that we're in today. In this book, Andy gives us five questions and five decisions that we can use to really structure the way in which we make decisions in our lives. In this book, he says that better questions result in better decisions. And all of us want to have lives that get us where we want to go. None of us want a future full of regret and full of shame. And so these questions, when asked, answered honestly and acted upon, will really change the trajectory of your life. The questions that we've looked at so far are, am I being honest with myself, really? What story do I want to tell? Is there attention that needs my attention? And what is the wise thing to do? The decisions that are correlating with these questions are, I will not lie to myself, even if the truth makes me feel bad about myself. I will write a story that I am proud to, ooh, I will write a story that I am proud to tell one decision at a time. I will explore rather than ignore my conscience. And when making a decision, I will take the past, present, and future into consideration. Today, I'll be sharing with you question five. And question five is the relationship question. None of us imagine a future full of people that we don't enjoy. What we do is we imagine a future full of amazing people, amazing people that bring quality to our lives, amazing people that bring richness and depth to our lives. But we're not going to just get there by chance. We really have to learn how to relate with one another. And it is so obvious throughout our lives and throughout the Bible that it's in community that we get that richness. And so we're going to look at all of that today. But before we get further along, we're going to stop and we're going to pray. Jesus, we just want to invite you this morning to just take all of this material and everything that I'm going to share and everything that's in this book and just make it real in our lives. We're going to talk about relationships and we're going to talk about love, but we need a revelation of your love for us. And God, coming out of the last 18 months, 16 months, we just need to know you in a fresh way. We need a fresh revelation of your love for us so that we can be love to those around us. Father, I just pray that you would just speak to each and every one of us today and that we would be able to hold on to your love. In Jesus' name, amen. As humans, we're created to live in community. We're created to be with other people. There are definitely some people that are more introverted than others, and hardships in life can absolutely make us not want to be around other people. But we were created to be with one another. That can get messy, and that's what this question is all about. It's all about getting those amazing people that are in your life to stay in your life. It's about attracting amazing people to your life. This question also has the ability and the capacity, when asked, answered honestly, and applied to your life, 
to heal broken relationships and to heal your heart as well. This question is about other people. Where all the first four questions were about ourselves, which is great because, you know, we get to um, benefit from those directly. This question is all about other people. It, there's no guarantee that it's going to affect your life in a positive way. But if you apply it and if you ask it to yourself, it will absolutely change the lives of those around you and potentially change the world around you as well. The question, question five, asks, what does love require of me? In John 13, verse 34 through 35, it says, or Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. When Jesus said this statement, his disciples had been with him for three years. They had watched him for three years do incredible miracles. They watched him lovingly be compassionate to those around him. They watched him in wisdom um, shut down really ridiculous questions and release freedom and healing and forgiveness, which was radical, to the people that he bumped into. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. And this question, the amazing thing, sorry, the statement, the amazing thing about it is that Jesus said it before the cross. And so often when we think about the love of God, we think about the cross because it is a perfect example of the way that he loved us. But Jesus said this, this statement to his disciples the night that he was arrested. He said this statement to his disciples before the cross. And so when they were hearing him say, love like I have loved, they were thinking back to all those miracles, but they were also thinking back to the personal and specific ways in which he had loved them. It was in this moment that they understood that he was not asking them to feel for other people the way he felt about them. He was asking them to do for other people what he had done for them. And that was radical. I don't want us to miss the gold in this passage. So I'm going to take a little bit of time to just pull it apart. In this passage, when Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. The word this is a demonstrative pronoun. A demonstrative pronoun is used to point to something specific. And in this case, he is pointing to the identifying characteristic of what his followers would look like. In this statement, we see that his primary concern is not with what they believed, but with how they behaved. In the Old Testament, there were over 600 different rules, along with all of the cultural rules that came with it, that they all had to live under. And it was impossible. There was no way that they would possibly be able to follow all these rules and be able to have a relationship with God. So when Jesus comes in and says, it is by this, by loving others, that you will be known as my disciples, he's blowing up this idea that there's a, a checkbox of what we have to do. And even though Jesus blows it up, we see how even in today, we have these checkboxes. We have these checkboxes. We have these rules and these standards that we try to live up to. Like, how many books of the Bible have you read this year? How many hours of silent prayer do you stay in? Um, you know, I must be a phenomenal, phenomenal Jesus follower because I give and serve this much. But that's not what Jesus was pointing to. And in this moment, he blew it up and said, no, what I want from you is to love other people the way that I love. And this is the crazy thing. It is by our love that people will know that we are Jesus followers, but it is by our lack of love. It is when our love is missing 
that people will doubt if we truly believe in Jesus. And we see this. We see that people get so hung up on what they believe, and they need to be so right in their doctrine, which is important, and in their theology, which is so important, that they miss out on the love of Jesus. We see people screaming and yelling and putting up Facebook posts about people's sin and all of this stuff in the world. It becomes so noisy that we miss Jesus's love. And Jesus came to love. He came to bring life and relationship to us. He didn't come to put another commandment on us. What he did in this moment was he actually got rid of all of the other commandments and he said, do this. This is how people will know that you are my believer. You are my follower. Andy Stanley puts words to this moment in time, and he says it this way. It's on page 153 and 154 of your book. It says, The litmus test for being a bona fide Jesus follower was no longer the ritualistic, day of the week, festival-driven, don't-forget-your-goat worship of an invisible, somewhat distant God. Following Jesus would not be about looking for ways to get closer to God, who dwelled up there, out there, somewhere. Jesus' followers would demonstrate their devotion to God by putting the person next to them in front of them. Authentic Jesus' followers wouldn't authenticate their love for God by looking up. They would authenticate their love for God by looking around. And I love that. If you ever heard a litmus test for being a Jesus follower, that's it. And Jesus made it so simple, and yet so often we make it so difficult. In this example as well, Jesus shows that it is his example of love that influences, inspires, and instructs those around him. He's saying, love like me, and people will love like you too. Jesus is saying that if we are inspired by his love, Others may be inspired by our love as well. And I believe that in this next season, as we walk into a season of expansion here at Harvest, it's not going to be the big services and the worship and the lights and the haze and all of the programs that we're going to kick back off that are going to be so good, that are going to draw people to Jesus. They're going to be used. But the primary way that we are going to see revival happen in our own lives and in this city is by letting the love of Jesus transform us. It'll be undeniable. When people that know us get close to us and see the way that we respond and react is changing over time, it's going to be undeniable. Because if we could have behaved that way before, we would have. But loving the way that Jesus loves is impossible without Jesus. And that's the good news, that the God of the universe loved us so much that he was willing to come into our messy lives and love us in our mess and bring healing to us. And that is what our lives can show people. We don't have to show our friends. You know, our friends don't care how much of the Bible we know. They care about our lives. They care about how much we love them and how we serve them. That's what's going to keep them around, and that's what's going to draw them to Jesus. And so get around people, be in the services, but recognize that it is our love that will draw others to us. So what does love require of you? Really, it's going to require that we understand really what it is. The world tells us that love is a ton of stuff, so we're going to look at what love really is. We need to receive it, and then we need to release it. In 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us an incredible list of what love is. In chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. 
the world lies and tells us that love is passion, but that's not what love is. The world lies and tells us that love is all of these crazy things, and so we search for those things. But if we look to the Word of God, we can see that Jesus is all of these things to us. And because he's that to us, we can also be that to others. Loving like Jesus is a really hard task without him. So the next thing we have to do is receive it. You can only give what you got. And so at the end of this service, if you have not invited Jesus to be in your life, to receive his love and forgiveness, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that because it is the best decision you will ever make. And it is the first step you can make to be able to practically do what love requires of you. You cannot give what you don't have. So you need the love of Jesus. And this is where that list that we kind of give ourselves, read the Bible, pray, worship every day, serve, give. This is where the enemy takes this list and, and, and just, just wrecks it. That list is the ways in which we can be filled with the love of Jesus. We have to be near him to receive. We need to read the Bible. We need to be in worship. We need to be in prayer on our own and also corporately. God created us to be in community. So there are things that God will do with me privately in my home, when I'm out for walks, when I'm gardening, and I'm just spending time with him. But there's also incredible, powerful moments that we experience when we're in worship, when we're listening live in a room, when we're in small group together, where Jesus pours love on us. We need to be intentional to be around that love. If you've never been in small group before, if you have never come to a service before, I am challenging you and encouraging you, do that because that is how you are going to experience the love of Jesus. If you don't have a set time that you get together with Jesus, that's okay. There is no rule saying you have to do it any which way. But Jesus in his love is inviting you to be filled with his love and that only comes from spending time with him. Another way that you can experience the love of God is to ask him specifically to come into really, really yucky areas of your life, which doesn't sound very fun, but that's where our first question in this book comes in play. It asks, am I being honest with myself really? And while I was preparing for this message, um, a statement that Andy Stanley says time and time again in this book really stood out to me. And it says, these questions are terrifying because they're so clarifying. And while I was preparing this message and reading through and really immersing myself in what love is, I found myself on a day really busy. I overscheduled myself, which is something that I've seen happen a lot in my life, but I've gotten better at. And all of a sudden, here I am again in this season, overscheduling myself. And I love my son, Titus. I mean, of course I love him, but one of the things I love the most about him is that he's a chatter like me. And so I love when we go for car rides, when we go for walks, at the end of the day when we're laying in bed and he's chatting so that he can stay up late. Those are like my favorite times. And I found myself on this day overscheduled, overbooked. And what happens to me is I start getting anxious when I'm overscheduled and I'm rushed. And so I start thinking faster. I, my heart rate goes up. I get really flustered. And my favorite time of the day in the car with Titus talking to me, I hear him talking and he realized that I wasn't really paying attention. And this is such a clarifying moment in my life. And it's really embarrassing to share because he's going on and on and on. And then he leans forward and he goes, mom, to, my, to me. And my response was, what Titus? In that moment, he shrunk back in his chair and he whispered, I love you. And it just wrecked me. 
And it wrecked me in a really good way because it stopped me. And it was so clarifying because I knew in that moment what love required of me was to clean it up. It was to apologize and ask for his forgiveness. And it was for me to explain to him that it was not his fault that I was responding this way. He had done nothing wrong. It was me and my overscheduling. But what I did later was I sat down with Jesus and I, and I said, you know, God, I don't want to be impatient. I love my son. I don't want to harm him with my impatience because it is our love that will bring healing to people, but it is our lack of love that will cause harm to them. And I don't want to cause harm to my son, and I don't like feeling that way. And so I sat with Jesus, and this is where it becomes specific. You know, I invited him to look in my heart with me to figure out what is it, why is it that I am so impatient? Why is it that I am overscheduling my life? And he reminded me, as he has before, that when my life starts getting busy, I lose focus of what my identity is, and it's in him. And I start placing my identity in being the best sister and the best wife and the best mom and the best coworker. And to do that, in my mind, that means that I need to do it all. So if someone asks me something, I lose my no, and I start saying yes to everything. But in doing so, I lose my love, and I lose my patience, and I become more irritated. And, and so I ask myself this question, what does love require of me? What love required of me was to be honest with myself, really honest with myself. And I invited Jesus in, and we just had time where I could just let him reaffirm in me that my identity is and who he says I am. And since then, I've been able to, like, supernaturally just not say yes to everything. I don't feel that need. And sometimes it takes more work when we're specifically working on something. But what I did for you, because of this moment, was I created um, in the notes just a little exercise, and it's called Love Is I Am. And again, it's super clarifying. The one slide is going to give all of the, the statements of what love is. And then there's going to be an area where you can actually put your name and say, so when it says love is patient, love is kind, you're going to say, Mia is patient, Mia is kind, but with your name. And I really encourage you, say it out loud, because it's really hard <laughs> to lie to ourselves when we're hearing in our own ears something that's not true about who we are in that moment. And then I want to invite you to ask Jesus to come into those areas and love on you in those areas so that you can then release love in that way to others around you. There are so many ways that we can invite Jesus to love us. Those are just a few. But once we are full of love, we're never fully, 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 full, 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 but we can invite Jesus to do that in us. And once we're receiving it, and once we're in that place, we can then release it. Um, releasing love for Jesus looked like him dying on a cross. But it also looked like him t going to Zacchaeus' house. For those of you who don't know Zacchaeus, he was a little guy. And I think he was a tax collector. And he was up in a tree. And, you know, people like Jesus would not be around people like Zacchaeus. And it allowed Jesus to have grace for Peter when he was walking out on the water. When he started to sink, he didn't say, what's wrong with you? He went and pulled him out. And we can see through Jesus' life that he released love because he was full of love. The ways that you can release love um, can be really easy when you're around people that you enjoy, um, when you're full of energy and you have, you know, 
you've slept a full, you know, eight to 10 hours at night. It becomes really hard when you're around people that you don't like. Um, it can be really hard when you're tired, when you've been up for days and days. It can be hard when you're um, hungry. It can be hard when you're in traffic to love the person driving by you. It can be really hard when you've been hurt really, really, really bad. And the Bible has something to say about that. And so a few things that I've seen um, Jesus do and Jesus say gives us a few pointers on what to do and how to love when it's hard to love, when the, when the answer isn't obvious. The first thing I saw was that Jesus would pray about the situation. And the second thing I saw is that Jesus would pray for the person. So in Luke 22, verse 42 and through 44, we find Jesus in the Mount of Olives. It's right before he goes to the cross. And he knows in that moment that what love requires of him is to go to the cross. But in this moment, he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him and comforted him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and the sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. There are times that we know what love requires of us, but it seems impossible. It seems like we don't have strength. It seems like we're not capable of doing it. And I want to encourage you, when you're in that situation, we see through Jesus' life that when we go to our Father, he is faithful to empower us and strengthen us and care for us and comfort us in those moments. Jesus was still in anguish. But God was there with him, and it empowered him to follow through. And thank God he did, because because of his sacrifice, we are here. And because of you sacrificing and being courageous and giving love when you don't feel like you have it and you don't feel like you can, it will set other people free, and it will bring life change to those around you. The other thing we see Jesus do is pray for people. We see that when he's on the cross, but we also see him command us in Luke 6, verse 28, say, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. It's a really nice verse that we could just read over quickly because it is a really hard thing to bless people that are intentionally or we think are intentionally harming us. There was a season in my life when the actions of someone else caused so much pain to my life that I was angry. And, and, and love spills out, and anger and hatred spills out. And I found myself in a season where I just could not escape this anger. And I remember standing in my kitchen, talking to God, and just saying, you know, God, what do I do? And let me tell you, like, I, when I ask people for advice— It's like, I want blood in the water. I want to know that someone has been through this. I don't want someone just to give me great advice and they have no idea what they're talking about. So when I share this with you, I want you to understand your situation might be much harder than my situation was. But I, even in writing this and even right now, I viscerally remember how disgusted I felt when this this verse came to mind. Because I knew what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do was something I did not want to do. And it was to pray blessing over someone who was intentionally harming my life. And I remember in that moment, through gritted teeth, saying, really, in a snotty way to God, you know, I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to do it. And everything I could possibly think of, I blessed. You know, God bless their finances. God bless their health. God bless their work. God bless everything I could think of. And that day, I began releasing blessing into their life, but I began releasing freedom in my own life. 
and it was hard. And as I'm telling you right now, I'm getting emotional because it was hard and it is still hard. Um, but what happened over time was, um, you know, this person, because God loves me and because I love myself, I put up boundaries, you know, love protects. And so this person was no longer in my life, but you know, from time to time, um, things would trigger this memory and, um, of this person, or someone would mention something about this person. And I found over time, I wasn't as angry and I wasn't as hateful and spiteful. And those are really ugly feelings to have inside when they're really true and deep. And I remember the day that someone had mentioned something about this person, something bad happened in their life. And I remember going to God and just my heart breaking for them and realizing God had done something supernatural in my life where I no longer hated this person. I loved this person. And I was so heartbroken for this person because they were in this situation. And that is supernatural and undeniable. And that is the power of love. And that is the power um, that Jesus brings to our lives. And that is what revival is. And that is what will break out revival in this city and in this station. It is when we can say, Jesus, I don't want to do this. I do not want to pray this out loud. It is too hard. They have done too much. They don't deserve it. And then we can sit with Jesus and he can comfort us and he can say, yeah, I didn't deserve the cross either, but let's do this together. Let's release freedom and prosperity into their lives and let's release healing into your life. You know, it's easier said than done. It's impossible to do without Jesus. We can only give what we've got and we can, but giving and in giving what we've got, we will in, increase our capacity to receive more love and to give more love. I can't fake what God did. Um, and I know that you all have stories like this too, and you can't fake what God's done in your life. But the decision that we get to make today is that we'll decide with others in mind. And like I said, you know, this, this question, what does love require of me, and this decision, it really is like a brother or a sister to the other questions. Um, because really, we can't be honest with ourselves, really, if we aren't being loving, if we aren't doing what love requires of us. We can't make a good decision one at a time and write a, a future and a, and a story for our lives without love. And so, again, go back if you haven't listened to these, book, to the, these questions um, and, and just dig in because there is gold in here that can change and transform your life. Just before we close, I just want to read... Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, where we see that list of what love is, it really drives home the importance of love. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. And we see how we can gain everything. We can be successful. But if we don't love, if we don't get around people and pour our lives out and love them, we've gained nothing. We will not have a good story to share. So what does love require of you today? Maybe it requires of you to go back and clean up a conversation from earlier this week or maybe from years ago. Maybe it requires you to take some time alone with Jesus, put on some worship music, go for a walk, go hunting, do some gardening, be alone with him and just let his love pour into you. As I was preparing this message, I took some time just to pray for everyone that would be watching because I believe that 
over these last few months of us not being able to be together, of us, you know, just being isolated, so many of us feel so lonely. But the love of God can reach you in this moment and he can just pour out love on you in a supernatural way that will fill you up. And for those of you who have never invited Jesus into your heart, that is your next step. That is what you are to do today. That's what love is requiring of you. It's requiring that you receive it. And it's so simple. If you've never invited Jesus into your life before, receiving his love and forgiveness, that is your next step. That is what love is requiring of you today because you can't give unless you receive. And it is so simple. All you have to do is pray a prayer like this. You can repeat after me. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your head, but it's so simple. Jesus, thank you for your love. I've heard that it is extravagant. I receive your love and forgiveness, and I ask you just to come and be part of my life, filling my life with love so that I can release love as well. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, it is the best decision you will ever make, and we want to know about it. Comment in the comment box or email us. Fill out the best decision ever form. We want to be able to get a gift that is designed specifically for people like you that have made this decision. It is something that we love to celebrate, and we believe that you are beginning an incredible, incredible future full of love and free from regret. Thank you all for joining us today. This is the end of our service. Like I said, if you do not yet have, where is it? I don't even have it. If you do not yet have Hearing God by Nathan Finocchio, get it. We are starting this series next week. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you here next week at this time online. Have a great week, guys. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, we just want to congratulate you. You just made the best decision ever. Why don't you take a second and just type that in the chat. Let us know that you made that decision. Just type in, I made the decision or that's me. We just want to reach out and say, awesome. We're so glad to have you part of our family. And before you go, we'd encourage you to go to hcfcornwall.ca slash expansion, where you can learn a little bit more about what we're doing to prepare for our return to church, how you can volunteer, how you can help, help contribute, whether financially or uh, with some of your, your actual skills, uh, as we're getting prepared to expand our church and yep. kind of step into some, yep. some new things. And me and Ted, we're just wishing you the happiest and bestest of weeks going forward. And we can't wait to connect with you again next weekend. Yeah.